Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Working for a charity that supports people who are in or affected by the sex industry, a Christian friend of mine the other night found herself outside the charity's office waiting for it to be unlocked. She could have been at a much more exciting event, but it had been cancelled at the last minute. So although she could have gone home, it was cold and dark, she felt very strongly that she should go to the office. But now she was stuck outside, waiting for someone to arrive with the key. When she got, someone, she got talking to someone who was also standing outside. And coincidentally, this person opened up that they were a sex worker and really in need of talking to someone. My friend ended up chatting for over an hour and a half. And she was able to provide relevant advice for this person. She was able to show love She was able to share her faith. And because this person asked, she was able to point them in the direction of some good churches. My friend was in the right place at the right time because she had gone with that strong feeling that instead of heading for home, she should be at the office. Was that the voice of God? I think so. This morning, and it's such a privilege to share this morning with our baptism candidates, I want to look at a story where obedience to God, to the voice of God, resulted in great blessing. And I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Acts 8. And it's a story of baptism. And I really feel it's a story that reveals the very heart of God. We've been studying Acts recently, and water baptism appears frequently in Acts. Baptism is one of the two sacraments of the church, which is a symbolic sign, a Christian ritual that has been ordained by Christ. It's an outward sign of an inward blessing. And the original Greek word from where we get our word baptism means to immerse or to soak or to dip. And so you're going to see the baptism candidates this morning go into the water in this pool. And a bit later, I'll be explaining the significance of that. And the other sacrament, by the way, is taking communion. So we're going to be reading Acts chapter 8 from verse 26. But first, I want to set the context of of this story. Because just before this story that we're going to be looking at, the church had experienced its first major episode of persecution. And because of that, the early believers had been scattered throughout the land. And Philip, a follower of Jesus found himself in a city in Samaria and how God worked through Philip in this city. There were amazing healings. Lame people were walking. Demons were being cast out of people. And it says that many, many 
were becoming believers and getting baptized. And it also says, great joy was found in the city, which is exactly what we're looking for as we're praying for revival in our land. But let's turn to Acts 8, um, verse 26. And verse 26, and I'm actually going to break this story up into small bits here. But now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And I'm going to read between the lines here, because I can see that Philip, although a doer of great miracles, if you read the bit just before, who sees many Christians, many people become Christians in response to his message. He's not puffed up at all by what's happening through him. He knows the source of his power. And he wants to be completely obedient to God. How do I know this? I know it because one word from the Lord and he leaves. He could have stayed and basked in his glory. He could have savoured his fame. But Philip obviously held his reputation very lightly. He knew it was the Holy Spirit working through him in that city. And so one moment in the city of many, seeing amazing miracles, the next on a desert road all by himself. Into the unknown. He hears a message from God And he responds in obedience immediately because obedience brings great blessing. So carrying on in verse 27, and it says, And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandaki. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, although an important person, obviously a statesman, a high-ranking government official, possibly famous in all society, in all, expect, in all expectations, probably really secure in his riches and his importance. But I wonder. Just Google celebrities struggle with poor mental health and a whole range of brave stars are very open about an enormous range of issues. Feeling different. Feeling as if they're not enough feeling inadequate despite their elevated positions in society, could, regardless of his high position, this man have had similar fears? Could he have felt outside the norms of his culture, on the margins of society? Firstly, he was a Gentile, a convert to Judaism. We see that because the passage says he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's a foreigner in Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem to worship, but he's not from Israel. And he's a eunuch. And although valued for the job he did, he would have known that he was dispensable, that some looked down upon him for his state. 
that he lacked the security of a family. So was he looking for validation, acceptance, for love and for value? How many of those on the margins of society seek that? And how many, not even on the margins of society, seek that? How many of us feel different, or that we don't quite fit in, or we don't quite make the mark, and just want some confirmation that we are val as valuable as the next person, that our lives have purpose? And I say, was he looking for this? Because I have a strong suspicion that he could have been reading the book of Isaiah because there we find the following passage. And here I'm going to move away from our main text. I'm going to take a bit of a detour because in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, we find the perfect passage for a foreign, Gentile, eunuch, looking for promises of acceptance by God, promises of purpose, of hope and joy. And I'm just going to read this passage. Let no foreigner, so it's Isaiah 56 verse 3, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people and let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temples and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. What words of acceptance for the foreigner in the land? What words of hope for the eunuch? Promises of joy, hope, acceptance, direct from God. If you are struggling with feelings of self-doubt, get into the Bible because there you will find words to affirm you. St. Augustine said, the Bible does nothing but speak of God's love for us. So to those feeling in a strange land, to those feeling excluded, to those who feel they're not good enough, God says the opposite. He accepts you. He loves you. He gave his son to die for you. No matter who we are, no matter what we're like, no matter who or what we identify with. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
just like to go back now to our text in Acts 8. So verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up to him, with him and sit, to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. You see, I wonder, did the eunuch come across this passage because he was reading, and possibly rereading, words of affirmation to him? Does he then come across this passage, quoted, a passage he didn't understand, but which was just about to change his life? Because what we see in our story is God sending his faithful servant, Philip, on a journey purely to meet this Ethiopian man, to explain the passage that is going to bring Jesus into his life. We see God send to the foreigner, to the non-Jew, to the eunuch, the man who was doing mighty miracles among many, leaving the busy city to a quiet, solitary road, to meet one solitary man. Does that remind you of anything? Because as I've been doing this sermon, the words of Jesus have just been resounding in me. Jesus tells the story of the shepherd with the flock of 100 sheep. And he leaves his 99 sheep to find the lost one. He describes the rejoicing in heaven every time the lost one is found and restored to the shepherd because that's what Jesus does. He comes for the one. He came for the eunuch by sending Philip. And if you're sitting here this morning or if you're sitting at home this morning thinking God would never be interested in you, that you're on the outside, you're not good enough, he comes for you too. Anyway, we see that the Ethiopian official was in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah, but a passage which he evidently doesn't understand, written 700 years previously. And the prophet Isaiah is pointing in this passage to the coming Messiah, and the passage points to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in every way. And if you've not read the whole prophecy before, do, it's in Isaiah 53, it will astound you. The sufferings, humiliation, and exaltation of Christ are minutely described, along with the blessings to mankind resulting from his death. So in Acts 8, verse 34, it says, The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
God sends his servant to the eunuch to explain the good news about Jesus. What an amazing coincidence that a man is traveling along a solitary road, reading a passage of the Bible he doesn't understand, and on that same solitary road, just happens to be nearby, is the man who can explain it to him. Coincidence? I don't think so. Jesus is going for the one. And as I reach the end of this story, we come to the baptism. Every baptism in the Bible was by immersion underwater. The book of Acts shows us that this was the norm for every believer. Verse 36 reads, As they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. Having heard the good news about Jesus, we see that the Ethiopian official made a decision to believe in Jesus and to follow him from that point on. How do we know? We know because he made this public declaration of his faith, and that's what baptism is. It's a personal, public identification with Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial in the tomb, and his resurrection from the dead. It signifies the end of the old life and the start of new life as a Christian believer. In a minute, we're going to see the baptism candidates going into the water. And as they stand in the water waiting to be baptized, they symbolize Jesus dying on the cross. And as they're going to be lowered into the water, they symbolize Jesus buried in the tomb. And as they are raised up from the water, they symbolize Jesus rising from the dead. And since they personally are being baptized, they are also saying, I died with Jesus Christ. I was buried with him, and now I am raised with Christ to a brand new life. Baptism does not make you a Christian. The Bible says salvation comes from faith alone. Our guilt that separates us from God is removed the moment we trust in God, the moment we trust in Christ. Neither candidate is becoming a Christian this morning. That happened when they believed in their hearts that Jesus is their saviour. And they gave their life to follow him. Their baptism is a symbolic statement that they have become a Christian. Baptism shows that the person has died to that old way of life, been raised to new life, eternal life in Christ. Romans 6, verse 3 to 4, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. Don't you know? that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So our Ethiopian official believed and was baptized. Verse 39, we see it says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing and he had that same joy that countless Christians through the ages have known and testify of, and I'm sure we're going to see this morning. And something else I'd like to draw out here from this story, the Ethiopian believed and was immediately baptized. A few chapters on, we'll see um, a, a family who overnight become believers, and they immediately get baptized. There is no reason to wait to get baptized once you've believed. Don't think you've got to get everything in order. The Bible teaches, believe and be baptized. What an amazing story, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is. And for me, it's a story that reveals hearts. So it reveals the heart of the Ethiopian who is seeking after God and he finds God and he is immediately obedient to get baptized. And it shows me the heart of Philip in wanting to serve God who would lay down seeming success, dealing with the many for obscurity with the one. Being completely obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And about Philip, I love his obedience because it tells me that when we are obedient in seemingly small things, God will do amazing things through us. And most importantly... It shows me the heart of God who goes for the one who values and loves each individual who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And let us be ready to go when God says go. Let's be ready to do when God says do. And let's be ready to love when God says to love. My friend was in the right place at the right time the other evening. Speaking the love of God into the heart of someone who would probably never have come near a place like this to hear about Jesus. Jesus sent my friend onto the street to meet them. And there's a world out there waiting on the street, waiting to hear that there's a God who loves them. So let's be obedient when we hear that call. And now we've got the joy of watching our two friends this morning follow Jesus' instructions. They already believe and they're about to get baptised. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.